Welcome to another episode of My Orgasmic Life. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Gaia Morissette. And I'm super excited to have my guest, my co-host, my co-adventurer today, Bobby. And I'm going to allow Bobby to pronounce Bobby's name properly so that um, I don't uh, screw that up. So Bobby, welcome to the show. And do you want to just take a moment to tell us who you are and what you do in the world? Sure. Um, so yes, Bobby Bedochka, and you just need to pronounce it a couple of names, a couple of times, and then you know the mouth remembers. Um, so what do I do? So I authored recently authored a book called Sexual Intelligence in Business. Um, I am the co-chair of the uh, Congress on Love and Sex with Robots, and um, I also have a company, Imagine Ideation, where we move ideas forward through events and ecosystem diplomacy. And I do a bunch of other stuff too, but also um, uh, starting to write my second book called The First Time, about first time sexual experiences. Which is why I thought you and I should have this really awesome, juicy conversation about our our first times, because uh, I know that, and at the end of the show, there'll be a call to action, so everybody stay tuned for what that call, what Bobby wants from you. Yeah. <laughs> so before we get into our juicy conversation today, um, a couple of housekeeping things. First, today's episode is brought to you by Tickle.life. Second, uh, don't forget to tip your hostess, which is me. Um, Ethical consumption. I show up for you guys. Please show up for me with some financial support. Bye. And the best way to say, hey, you inspire me, is to send me $5 a month. (laughs) It's a good way to start. (laughs) All right. Um, okay, so let's get into our topic. Uh, you want to go first, Bobby? You want to tell us about your first? You want me to go first? Which one? Yeah, no, I can go first. I can definitely go first. It seems appropriate, the first, and I'm the first. Um, just, you know, just to say that as, as I was, um, you know, joyfully anticipating this conversation, sort of in my head, I'm, I'm telling the story to myself and then realizing I'm not sure that I've actually told the story in full to anyone and that I was trying to recall if I've had um, conversations with people about their first and it's just I I can't recall and I think it's just something that um, oddly we don't talk about and you know I'm curious to find out why but um, so my first time was um, so I'm from Saskatchewan. Okay so before we get into that what what first time? Like what okay. kind of first time? Like we got lots of possibilities when we say yeah. first time. So yeah. what kind of first time are we talking about? This is the first time that I think I officially like felt the penis inside me. Okay. So to call it intercourse might be a stretch and you'll find out why. Okay. Um, and I, I, I think I had um, uh, one or two sort of false starts before that where you go to do it and just things aren't like you know lining up but I was I was young so I was 13 mm-hmm. and you said um, you were living in Saskatchewan I was living in Saskatchewan because that's where I'm from um and we used to uh, my parents had um or my dad and his his wife had a had a cottage up up north so sometimes we would drive up there and uh, my stepsister and I she was uh, a year older than me 
you know, we used to just go to the cabin and go find like, where are the boys, right? Um, and so there was this um, ice cream shop where sort of everyone who was a teenager gathered. Um, and so, you know, when, you know, we were chummy with, you know, the teenage groups there. And then one night, um, so it was nighttime, we were drinking, of course. Um, and there was um, this guy, Scott. I mean, he was, he, it's not like I had a major crush on him or anything, but, you know, he was all right um, looking. And I thought, okay, well, you know, he sh was showing some interest uh, in me and I was definitely curious. Um, and so, you know, we were all just kind of gathered around this in behind this ice cream shop and it was kind of foresty and, and he had this van. Um, so I got taken into the back of the van um, willingly. Okay, I, wait, okay, wait. Uh, so hold on here. <laughs> so this boy that you thought was okay. Yeah. Had a van. Yeah. And you decide to draw, jump into the back of the van with this boy who you don't know very well. I really don't know him, no. Okay. We have no relationship. I have, he's not my boyfriend. I don't want him as my boyfriend. Um, was there any part of you that was worried or nervous or scared about getting in a van with a stranger? Um, no, because actually everyone was there. It's not like, like everyone was outside the van. It's not like we were alone in a van okay. in a forest, right? So there was, there was, my stepsister was there. The, the group was there. It wasn't like we were more than you know six feet away from okay from anyone so um, everybody was so the van was parked and everybody mm -hmm. was partying around outside the van yes yes exactly okay okay exactly. and no i i wasn't scared i was more like curious um you know i had i had um um known about my own sexuality for many years by then so it really was um, just I guess a culmination of events it's like okay well this is the time and I, I guess I felt like I just wanted to get it over with like in a sense like I, I'm curious I want to know what this is about I wasn't um, you know looking for anything special I just like you know what's this going to feel like it was more like a, a curiosity um, kind of thing and, and had remember. you made out with boys and had you had like yes. orgasm at all at this yes. point in your life yeah. okay yeah. okay yeah oh yeah um yeah made out with lots of boys before that um and we did all you know all sorts of um things but not actual intercourse yet yeah. had not been achieved yep <laughs> so I, I just remember getting the van so obviously it was night so it was dark and he had this like car engine in the back of his van too so it's and it's not like it was comfortable back there so it, I can't recall if there was a blanket I don't recall if we kissed much like there wasn't, it, it was very kind of rapid. Um, you know, I just remember, okay, he's on top of me. He's entering me. Okay, now, oh, okay. That's what it feels like to have, the, you know, a penis fully inside you. Okay, so that's interesting. And then he's kind of like, you know. Did it hurt? It did not, no, no. Didn't hurt, okay. I mean, it was not. It was neither, it wasn't painful, but it wasn't pleasurable either at that point. Um, Were you lubricated? Were you wet? I, I, mm, I must have been all right because it wasn't painful, but I wasn't like turned on too much. Um, it was probably more like just the excitement of what's happening. 
as mm-hmm. opposed to like, I really like this guy and he, you know, he really turns my crank. But I, I just also remember too, like, you know, he's fucking me. My head's like banging against this engine. I'm like, that's uncomfortable. <laughs> and then before I know it, it was over. And it's like, okay, that's it. And then, you know, we pulled up our respective. So how did you, how did you know it was over? Uh, I'm guessing because I actually don't remember, but he must have came and then and pulled got out. off and then pulled out and that's it. I don't remember if there was um, a condom. In my defense, this is like over 30 years ago. Yes. So the memories do fade, but um, I, I don't recall a condom being involved and I don't recall chatting with him much afterwards either. Mm -hmm. Um, but then it wasn't, it feels like it might have been a half an hour later, this other Scott guy (laughs) comes up to me (laughs) and he's like, Hey, I like you. And he starts kissing me and, and him, I actually kind of, Oh, I like, he's kind of good looking. I like this guy. Um, so we started kissing and then suddenly like, well, we walked over here on the other side of the ice cream shop, which is beside a highway. And now he's like, I, I, I want to eat you out. I'm like, okay. Like, and I had never had that happen either. So he pulls me in. I don't know why here. I'm like, there's like a billboard with lights. I was standing <laughs> under the billboard just like beside the highway. So it's like, it couldn't be more like on display. Yeah. So I'm standing up. He pulls down my pants and he starts, you know, eating me out. That was the first time that that had happened too so I'm like okay that's interesting and you know I let him do it for a bit but I'm like where is this going like it's hard enough to come standing up but on the side of the highway and you know and I'm drunk and I don't know you <laughs> like so I'm like okay well thanks and then I told him to get up and then we walked back to the group and we just continued like drinking and partying like kind of nothing happened and I don't recall seeing that other guy that the the second Scott the first Scott we kind of ran in the same circle so I saw him a little bit but there was like no acknowledgement of it or that or anything at all and how did you feel like how did you feel the next morning I I felt it was mixed emotions right it's like I felt like okay well now I know how it feels and and I like the information the data part of that, like, okay, now I have, I know. Um, but it did feel a bit, you know, like, mm, that was not good, right? That's not how it's supposed to be. That was like, he, he, he didn't like me. I didn't like him. Why did I do that? You know? So it was like, it was relief for the information sprinkled with like regret. Mm. And did you tell your friends? Did you tell anybody? No, I mean, people knew what we did, but nobody, I didn't speak about the experience. I didn't speak about my feelings. Um, No, nothing. Nothing. Did you feel like, okay, now that I lost my virginity, I'm a new person? Like, was there, was there this coming home to to this? No, no, I just felt like what, like how? Nothing like that. No, I just felt like, okay, now I know. And that now, the next time that I do it with somebody that I like, um, I won't be the whole, I don't know what this is going to be like thing will be 
not in the like it'll be better because now I'll know and I won't be worried about that um during it and I felt like actually that I achieved that so then so 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 I want to know about that time so tell me about that time so now the next time you have intercourse in a new scenario what happens like do you I actually don't remember the next one so I was a little bit promiscuous um as a teenager but I I do remember um you know knowing how it felt gave me some sense of like empowerment right it's like now I have knowledge and I know what it's sort of what it could be and how it, it could be better um, but I, I feel like it really did inform my first relationship with my first boyfriend when I was 15. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I had a whole bunch of partners in between. I just, I honestly cannot remember. Um, Do you remember the first time that you were having intercourse and you're like, oh, this is what everybody's talking about. Yes. Like- when I had my first boyfriend, when I okay. had my first boyfriend, then it was like, okay, now we're really, we're doing it properly. We have a relationship. We have real feelings you know, and all the, the whole flirting, kissing, foreplay, like it went in like that normal, you know, narrative that um, a sexual episode normally takes. And yeah, so so then that was all great. Um, but the there was this other guy that, you know, I had a major crush on and who his art, my, I had the best kiss, like I've basically ever had in my life with this guy. And every other kiss after that was compared to this kiss. And we tried to do it a couple of times, but it was like, even before and after, it just never could not make it work. It's very Cause weird. Because the, the parts weren't working? Because the... I, I wasn't really, beforehand, before actually, ha- I wasn't really sure what was the issue. Um, but looking back, like clearly he, one time even just bringing his penis to touch my pussy, he, he came right away. So uh, he didn't have time to get inside. Okay. <laughs> um, we very much liked each other. Like there was a yeah. lot of sexual chemistry there. Um, and then the next time it just, I don't know. Like he wasn't huge either. So maybe it was like, he might've been in and I'm not totally sure. And then it was done. And then that was that. So, and I'd say I have more than a handful of those kind of odd experiences. Okay. Where nothing much happened after that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to share about that? About that? No, but I do want to share, um, I find it shocking sometimes when I hear about women, you know, getting into their 20s and 30s without ever having orgasm um, or even self by self-pleasure. Um, and I remember I, like, I did that when I was like 10 in the shower with the shower head. Um, so this was a very interesting experience that I feel like completely changed how I approached sex. Like if I had never given myself an orgasm, I wouldn't have a clue what, what things like how that, that pleasure is supposed to feel. Right. Um, and I feel like there's probably a lot of people who grow up in situations where, you know, you're not supposed to touch your parts and you're not supposed to do that if it gets discussed at all, right? It's either yeah. silence or it's um, warnings. 
Yes. Um, or getting caught and shame happens a lot. It's a very common um, occurrence around self-exploration because children don't really know that you're not su societally supposed to touch your genitals. You're just kind of like, oh, that feels good. So I'm going to rub that. Um, yeah. So it usually comes out of a place of fear and shame or getting caught and then more fear, more shame um, and not knowing how to give yourself pleasure and that pleasure is bad. And there's like so many layers there of why there are many, many, far too many people who don't have orgasms until long after their sexual activity has started. Yeah, which, uh, and I just had completely different, like it's, I started with myself first. Yeah. And then it all came from there, which is, it seems to be um, not the, yeah, like you said, it's not the usual trajectory. No, and it, it, but yet it makes it uh, a much easier place of empowerment when we know what the, if we know what orgasm is, because I too had had long orgasms long before anybody else ever touched me. And, and that was like, oh, this is the expectation. Like this, this was like my standard. Like you have to be able to, we need to have an orgasm in order for this to have like uh, any value for me. Otherwise I'm not participating in this thing. Called <laughs> engagement of sexual activity. Like uh, what, what, what? I could be at home doing this myself. So why am I engaging with you? If you're not going to like add something to the team. That's, I mean, I wish I would have had a, um, a stronger attitude towards that in my early teens where I would have held that standard. It wasn't until I had my first long-term boyfriend where after that, I kind of have like a, a meet, a me first rule. Yeah. Just yeah. to make sure like you, you can't do nothing until I've had an orgasm. Yeah. And then we can do other stuff. All right. Let's talk about my turn. Yes. Um, so I was thinking about this too. Um, I kind of have a, it's, it's not a very like cut and dry kind of experience. So um, for my audience, you know, bear with me as always, you know, I'm long winded at times. So <laughs> <laughs> but I promise it's always worth it. <laughs> All right. So I, the first time I had intercourse um, consensual intercourse, because I have a background of trauma, lots of sexual violation and trauma. So sexuality had been introduced to me at a very young age without consent. And so my understanding of sex and sexuality and, and interaction with it was interfered with and not its natural progression of how it would normally happen. So I was, I was a pretty sexual being before this, this moment um, with my boyfriend. And my, then I also grew up in a household where my mother was very liberated in the whole like, pleasure is important, know your body. There was lots of conversations about masturbation. Like, you know, you need to know what you like in order to show some boy what he like, you like. Wow. Um, you were allowed to have sex before marriage. You just had to be in love. Like that was the messaging. Like you had to be in love before you had intercourse. Amazing. And you need to know how to, you need to know what you like in order to teach somebody else how to do it. And so that was kind of like the, you know, and in my household, like all my friends came over to my household for like sex education. And, Clearly. and, yeah. and it was like, <laughs> you know, my mom would be like, and we'd be in the living room and all my friends are sitting on the floor. And my mom's sitting on the 
question. She's like, and we're all asking questions about things. And she's like answering the questions, oh, right? Amazing. So, um, so I had already going in like a lot of different layers of sexual awareness, sexual knowledge, sexuality pieces. So I had like made out with lots of boys and had oral sex with lots of boys and had been, you know, fingered and hand jobs and all these kinds of things. But like losing my virginity was like sacred. It was like it was not happening until I was in love. So lucky for me, I fell in love pretty early when I was 14. (laughs) It doesn't take much. (laughs) Not when you're 14, it doesn't. (laughs) And so I was dating this boy who was much older than me. He was like 18 years old and I was 14. And uh, the first three months of us dating, he didn't even know how old I was. I had lied. I had said I was 18. And I looked at back then very much actually so uh he didn't know all of his friends didn't know because where I worked I could get into the bar and all these things because everybody thought I was older and then then you know my parental figure like totally ruined ruined the gig (laughs) (laughs) and everyone was all like oh my god she's only 14 years old (laughs) But at this point, it was too late because my boyfriend had already fallen for me at that point. So um, so we're making out and he was fabulous because he was like all about letting me explore. Like I was all about letting me explore the penis. So I was not afraid of the penis. Like a lot of, you know, I talked to a lot of people and they're really afraid of the penis because they never, they don't have one and they don't really know how to, how it navigated. And so he was awesome. I thought the penis was the most remarkable, magical thing in the world because it would grow and then it would shrink and it would grow so big and then it would shrink to like so small. I'd be like, how is this happening? It was like a <laughs> miracle. And so for months, I tortured him I, with blue balls because it would like I would just play with his penis and watch it grow, watch it shrink watch it grow, watch it shrink. And he never complained. He just let me do it. He was just like, just let me explore. And then I would like do little penis puppet. I would do little puppets with his penis and talk to it. I had like this whole relationship with his penis, even better, Um, I think, than him, actually. I really liked his penis more. I had a better relationship. I have experienced that where I have the actual relationship directly with the penis. Yeah. 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 So one day, but that's unique, you know, that's yeah, unique. It, it is very unique because most guys want to get right to it. And, and I would say that most girls feel either indirect or direct pressure to do so. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, Mm-mm. I'm just fascinated. Let me play. Let me explore. Let me, you know, have pleasure. And of course there was lots of other orgasmic pleasure possibilities, right? You know, he would finger me and, and play with, you know, st- manual stimulation and these kinds of things. And so I was still having orgasms, but I didn't feel the need to have intercourse yet. Like I wasn't quite ready. I wasn't quite in love. I was in love with this penis, but I wasn't quite in love with him yet. <laughs> so <laughs> it's fascinating. I've never shared this from this perspective. This is good. Um, so then one night 
we're at his house and we're making out. And I guess he'd had enough of this whole like shrink, grow, shrink, grow, shrink, grow, shrink, grow thing. So he decided to play back the same game. He'd bring me close to an orgasm and then not give it to me. He'd bring me close to an orgasm and then not give it to me. And so I was like getting like randy and so horny. And I'm like, what are you doing? You just need to fuck me. <laughs> so I was so horny at that point. Mm-hmm. And just as we were about to have intercourse, his best friend comes over because I was supposed to go uh, hang out with his best friend to go to a school dance. So his best friend comes over to hang, come get me for us to go to the school dance. And I'm like, and so they both can see I'm writhing. Like I'm literally like, I, it hurts. My, my pussy's throbbing, my clit's throbbing, all the blood circulations there. Like I'm all like, I'm so horny that I'm going to die. Like if somebody doesn't give it to me, I'm just going to die. And that's what it felt like. I felt like I was going Mm -hmm. to die. And both of them were just laughing. They just thought this was hilarious. They just thought this was so funny that that I was so... The best friend was able to come into the situation and view and not participate, but they're... uh... Oh, well, so I still had my clothes on. Like, so I wasn't like naked. So I still had my clothes on. So he comes into, you know, my boyfriend's room. Okay. And, and he's sitting and he's like, you ready to go? And I'm like, no, I'll meet you there. And the, and you know, and the best friends like, why? And I'm like, because I have stuff, important stuff that have to get done. And he's like, and he's smiling. Right. And my <laughs> boyfriend's laughing and they both know because they're both experienced, right. They can both tell that I'm horny and I need some, and I ain't leaving this place till I get some. So after torturing me for about 15 minutes, the friend leaves. My boyfriend's like, are you ready? I'm like, yes, just get her done. Yes. <laughs> I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die. So now his mother's in the next room. So now I gotta oh. be like quiet. And he has a Huge. I didn't, I hadn't spent that much time with penises, like, like that, in, like interpersonal time with penises. So I had no idea how big he really was. His penis went up to his belly button. Oh, yeah, that's pretty big. Yeah. So for my first, I got this gigantic slong. And so it hurt and it hurt a lot. Plus there's all sorts of my own stuff, triggers and trauma and all those kind of things and the playing in the background. And so, you know, it wasn't orgasmic. I didn't have an orgasm. I, it was, it was burning and painful and uncomfortable. And, you know, we, we did our best and, you know, he had his orgasm and then we were kind of done. Right. And, um, and then I had to walk to the dance. Because my ride left. Yeah. <laughs> I sent my ride away. So now I had to walk to the dance like I had just gotten off a horse. So every step was like, ow, 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 yeah. ow all, <laughs> all the way to the dance, which was about a half an hour walk. Okay. And then you still had to dance, I guess. And I still had to dance. Oh my gosh. So it took me, I would say, a year and a half of having sex 
not just with my boyfriend, um, but also my other boyfriend that I ended up cheating on. There's lots of drama there. Anyways, uh, another boy who was really good at sex, like really good. Like he, he, he changed how, who I am as he's a crucial piece of who I am as a sexual being. So this boy, and it I got took one of about those. a year and a half before there was this mo. I remember sitting in the bath after sex, I would have intercourse. I'd be sitting in the bath, cold water, trying to cool off my cooch because it was burning. And I remember crying, being like, you all lie. Everybody's lying. This is not fun. (laughs) I'm like, all the other things are fun, but this part's not fun. You all are a bunch of liars. But I mean, there is such a thing as too big. That's the thing. And it, it, but it depends on your box, right? Not everybody has... Some people have a small box and the chances of your first time being orgasmic is slim. Oh, very At least through intercourse. And, yes. you know, I, a lot of women don't orgasm through intercourse either. Ever. Actually. Ever. It took me a really long time to, yeah. to get to that. Yeah. For some reason. I, I, I think it, well, it, I think it boils down to the guy also, like you have to be both participating towards that goal um yeah well and it's also about you know surrendering and letting go and then being able to ask for what you need and communication and like awakening your body and you know and and the part your partner then being open to being an adventurer and explorer with you on that and not coming into the scene you know the situation with that piece around like well I know I'm the man I know what to do and here's my moves and, right. and all of those all of those pieces like go horribly wrong, which is what I teach, which is why I show up in the world because I do a lot of teaching about how we shouldn't have moves and <laughs> we should change up how we navigate that so that you can have an orgasmic release. And like I said, like you were saying, a lot of women don't actually have have orgasms from intercourse alone um the nerve endings are different there it's not the same as clitoral stimulation the majority of women actually vulva majority of women and vulva owners can only have orgasms genital orgasms through clitoral experience like clitoral stimulation right Mm -hmm. and so yeah so there's so many variables of the likelihood of you actually having this romantic magical uh first time that you read about or you watched in some movie um is is bullshit that's just bullshit it is all bullshit yeah and it, it I mean it does kind of turn you off a little bit at first right because you're like this is not this isn't that great what's all the fuss about you know until you find the right it's really more about the partner but yeah you kind of got to get over I feel like you have to stumble a few times to get like it's a process right it would be I, I I'm curious I I would love to find a story where that happened to someone so we'll we'll see if if that's the case but I remember um when I was in my 20s I went to London England for a month just to go hang out met this guy and normally I can tell I have an indication of the penis size by the hand but this guy like the math was off and we went into a movie theater to make out and uh I was gonna give him a hand job and I screamed in the theater. <laughs> when I whipped this penis out, I was like, 
Holy fuck! What am I gonna do with this monster? I can't fuck that. I can't fuck that. I can't do nothing with this. What the hell? And I mean, we tried to do it. And by then I had plenty of penises inside me. And I still couldn't do it. But this is no. Yeah, no. so the, the moral of the story around size for all of our uh, male uh, penis owner listeners who uh, may be like, you know, uh, being a little more sensitive to uh, penis size stuff going on. I just want to say, every size has a perfect match and no no match big isn't better small isn't better medium isn't better it depends on the compatibility of the penis and where you're putting it (laughs) so whatever size you're putting it in so there's like finding that ideal match so that we don't focus on the size which is I just needed to put that as a preference because uh we don't I don't want to have create any more trauma around penis size issues so yes totally agree and thank you for doing that so then um like as far as how do you feel that your early sexual experiences informed the trajectory of how you think about sex and how you approach sex now well, like I said, there was that one boy who, not my first boyfriend, um, the second one, um, who his whole belief system was about giving me the ultimate orgasm till I passed out. Like that was his mission in life. Wow. And there was no right or wrong way to do that. There was just let's explore and find as much pleasure possibilities, all the different pleasure possibilities, all the different ways that I, he could give me so much pleasure to the point where I would pass it. And that got us into all sorts of explorational things. <laughs> Being locked up in the basement, tied to, you know, to a post, to food play, to sex outside, to like the porn exploration, to like, there was... He loved the way I tasted so much that he would put my juices on his food. Like he was just like this, like orgasmic connoisseur. He couldn't get enough of them and like giving them. And so I didn't realize that that's not normal. I didn't know because it was so so high. He set the standards (laughs) so high that every other lover, I, you know, for like, or like after I was like, what is this? Like, I remember being like, what you groped me and then you spit on me basically and licked me a couple times. And then, and then we're just, and then now you're going to fuck me and then you're going to come and roll over and we're done. Dude, we're just getting started. Like this just, the party just got started. <laughs> what, are you, what is happening here? And so I ended up, it was beautiful. Like, I feel so blessed to have had that guy in my life because it created the standard of what human sexuality was capable of for me. And I became a pleasure seeker. And that's what defined all of who I am as a sexual being. Even to this day, it's always about how are more ways that I can find pleasure in 
each moment, each sexual experience, even in non-sexual experiences, I'm like, how can I find the pleasure in this moment? Right. <laughs> and it's because of that boy teaching yeah. me that that is what sex and sexuality and pleasure looks like. Yeah. There's no, so, and I mean, there's no judgment. And that was the other no. piece too, that was super cool was there was no right or wrong or good or bad. It was either it felt good or it didn't feel good. That was it. That was the standard of what human sexuality was. And so every time I went into a new sexual exchange or relationship with somebody and their stuff would come up about their belief systems about sex, I'm like, what's the problem? Let's just do it. It's fun. It feels good. <laughs> There's no, what is this? What is all the shame? What is happening to you right now? And yeah. so I became, it actually also I would say is why I do my job, why I am a sexual educator, why I'm a holistic, that's why I do so much work around healing, why I do all of the work that I do in my life, because I want everybody to feel that way. I want everybody to move in the world where pleasure is your right and you are there to seek it without fear, shame, or judgment about it. Yeah. And so that early exposure, I mean, when I think about your experience and I'm, I, I, I see, I can see your pathway now. And so when I look, when I map that onto mine and I think about my early experiences and how that the standard was so low that I accepted for too long, a low standard of activity up until some kind of inflection point happened. Um, I'd have to think more about when that precisely happened. I'm like, you know what, this is, I'm not going to accept this anymore. I came to my own realization somehow. Um, but then, and then obviously things, things change when you raise your standard, right. And you start exposing yeah, yourself yeah. and doing all that. But I still think that early, early exposure to um, sex and sexual activity helped me. It really, um, it was very, uh, looking back, it was liberating. Looking back, it was, I didn't judge myself at a, at a minimum. Um, and, and, you know, when you are, I think there's some very formative years and this is probably going to sound really scary to people, but you're in these formative years in your early, like preteen and tween and, and teen years where when you get what, what you're exposed to then is going to really help or hinder, you know, how things go in the future. And so probably most people are like, no, you should not even be kissing or touching or doing any kind of sex until you're more mature and and I get why people say that um but if everybody had a more positive experience like you did at an earlier age is somehow I think that might be helpful well I would have to say that I mean the trajectory I was on until I met like so I had some very interesting circumstances that were at play my earliest experiences around sexuality were extremely based on rape and trauma and horrific horrific things around sexuality and so typically that leads you on to two paths you either become incredibly uh frigid i hate that terminology but you become basically very anti-sexual very shut off protected or you become, that's all you feel that your value is. And mm-hmm. so you try to get love and become incredibly promiscuous to try to, because that's all you think you're worth. Right. So I was on that, 
that was would have been my trajectory of natural sexual evolution, right? So we all have a, you know, a natural sexual development that happens for us. And depending on this, the, inter, the interactions and the experiences and the values and the beliefs and all of these factors early on. And when I say early on, I mean like early, early on, like right from one, on because there's all sorts of stuff about body image and pleasure that's happening in the body at early childhood. So how all of that affects you defects, ends up affecting your development, who you end up choosing to interact with sexually, how that plays itself out, what kind of relationships you end up having. And a lot of times the trajectory is ending up in a not healthy sexual experiences because of societal influences, because of your own childhood influences, because your parental influences, because you had a really horrendous experience with a, a boy or a partner um, that, you know, or you got ex overexposed. That's the other thing is being overexposed and overstimulated by sexual activity also can really fuck up the, the evolutional pattern of your, of your development. So, I had two angels, like that's what I'm going to call them. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm pagan, so I don't usually use that language, but for lack of a better word, guardians, I had two guardians that came and basically changed my sexual trajectory. There was the, my mother being so open about and empowering around sexuality and me and my body and knowing that I deserve to have pleasure and that that's the point of sexual interaction and intimacy is pleasure and I deserve to have that. So that was one thing that offset the, the trajectory I was on. Mm -hmm. And then the secondary, this boy who came in really early on. I was only 14. I had only had sex a couple times with my boyfriend before then. So, yeah. and he basically was like, nah, this is what sex is all about. And then I was like, oh, this, this is what sex is all about. And then when I went back to my first boyfriend, he was not very happy because he was like, uh, you knew nothing and now you know all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know all this stuff? So there was some drama instilled, but then I ended up having to, then I just became the teacher and becoming the teacher throughout my whole sexual life led me to actually becoming a sex teacher. So that progression happened, but the only reason that that happened was because of those two guardians that popped in. If they hadn't been those two guardians, I may not be have found any of that or had that trajectory until I was like 30 years old. Yeah. Very common, right? It's mm -hmm. like around like 30 people like get divorced from their first relationship. They're like, fuck this shit. Something that yeah. went sideways. Okay. I'm remaking myself. Yeah. I'm I'm going into personal growth and personal development. I'm going to figure out who I am. So for a lot of people, they don't have that awakening until they're like 30. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. I just love to see how that, that really played out in such an interesting way for your life. Mm -hmm. That is so incredible. Do you remember your first kiss? I do. I do. It's actually kind do of a funny story. Heart? Okay, I'll do a quick quick story about it. Um, and and then um, and then we'll have to stop our conversation. Okay. okay. So I my first French kiss. Because I had I had been kissing boys 
for a really long time, yeah. longer than I even remember being in school. <laughs> so I'm thinking daycare. I was in daycare. I was kissing boys. All right. So like, yeah. But my very first French kiss, it was in grade eight. Is it grade eight? No, grade six. Yeah, we were graduating from grade six. No. Anyways, we're uh, grade eight. It was grade eight. It was my first French kiss where there was tongue. So I was dating this boy and this boy, and it was like last, it was the night before grade eight graduation and he breaks up with me. And so I run into the bathroom at school and, and I'm crying and this other boy follows me and he's like, are you okay? I'm like, no, so-and-so broke up with me. And it's like, I have no date for graduation tomorrow. And I'm blah, 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 blah. And I'm like uh, devastated. And this other boy, I don't even know how he went from consoling me to his tongue in my mouth. Like, I don't know the steps that happened from him just saying, that's awful, to somehow his tongue is in my mouth. But I remember thinking, wow, his lips are so sweet soft and his tongue is so wet and this feels so good I didn't want to stop it and so we like I don't even know how long we French kissed for it felt like forever but everything stopped in that moment Mm -hmm. and the sensations on my face was like amazing (laughs) it's like eating the best piece of chocolate ever Love it. And I didn't even like, I didn't even like that boy. Like that boy was a jerk. Like the boy that's tongue in my throat, in my mouth was like a jerk. I didn't particularly like him. It was like, I think he had a plan, but. Yeah, I think he had a, a, a serious plan. Um, and then I, uh, I never, we never spoke about it again. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. So that was my first French kiss. Love it. Yeah. I still remember the sensations, like even talking about, it, I can feel yeah. it on my, my lips are like are waking up and my tongue's like, Ooh, tingly, tingly. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. Mine too. It was, it was not the same situation, but my first kiss was very much like, like, wow, this is amazing. And it was like a full body experience and we're like speaking to each other, sharing emotions through the kiss. It was like, wow, this is my book. Yeah. And, and I'm not actually, I don't really, I don't, I'm not a big kisser. Like I can have sex without kissing. I'm married and I barely kiss my husband. I, I, I normally, I, I, after a while, any relationship I've had, the kissing always fades. Um, but I love kissing. It's see, like it, but there's, I'm for it. see, there's only a couple people throughout my sexual experience where I love kissing them. Like there's a certain thing about, I don't know, there's a certain there's a certain kiss style and lip style that arouses me and everything else just feels weird. Yeah. It's like, it's just like, yeah. Like, there's a, there's, yeah. All the elements got to be in play. For yeah. The great. elements got to be in the place for me to enjoy the kissing. Otherwise uh, it's not really a thing for me. I'm like, I'm, you know, kissing other parts of my body I'm all over and vice versa I'm very have a huge oral fixation but yeah there's only like certain people that have certain there's certain pieces that need to match up for me in order for me to engage in kissing and I don't see kissing being more intimate or less intimate um, Mm -hmm. at all it's just a matter of 
that's just how I roll. So just like yeah. I'm not a big cuddler either. So, you know, this, there's lots of things about me. <laughs> all right. Before all right. I share, before I share all of my secrets, <laughs> you're dangerous, Bobby. I don't think you should be on my show anymore. <laughs> Get all the information out of me. <laughs> so for the, good. for the greater good. Um, so how can people, first of all, spend more time with you and second call to action around supporting you writing your book um yes so i am mostly on social media i mean i'm there i'm not that active but you can find me at on twitter and instagram you know at bobby Bidochka. i'm the only one in the world so as long as you can spell it um if you can't spell it you can go to my website sexualintelligenceinbusiness.com you can find me there um, you can email me, bobby at imagineideation.com. I am looking for um, people willing to share their stories uh, like you did. Um, all kinds of stories from a variety of backgrounds and a variety of um, cultures, religions, everything. So um, I, I would like to have 80 to 100 stories before I start, um, you know, really building the book around that. Um, but yeah, if any, and it's confidential, you know, it can be as confidential or as public. If you want me to name you great, if you don't, that's okay too. Um, but, um, yeah, I am looking for, for people to volunteer, um, to share their stories with me. Now, uh, gender wise, is it all stories, all genders, all, all gender identities, all of it. Okay. All of it. And it can be, you can define for yourself what your first time sexual experience was it doesn't have to be penis vagina intercourse there's yep. other things many other things um and uh, yeah so any stories of any kind from first-time experiences all people Beautiful. and what and what would be the best way would it be to send you an email yeah if you uh, yeah. Have you set up? Have you set up a landing page at all on your website so that people can? No. Okay. No. All right. No. So just hit me up on email. Uh, so if you go to my website, my email is there, um, okay. Bobby at imagineideation.com, but sexualintelligenceandbusiness.com, uh, or you know I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on. Well, don't no, I'm not on Facebook very much, but. Um, um, and I will also put Bobby's information on the show notes, so you'll be able to connect with her. Great. Love it. All right, listeners, you did awesome. I know this was longer than we normally go, but you know, that's how it is. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, remember, tip your hostess. That's me. Uh, hit the Patreon link, which will also be in the show notes to, you know, to support the work that I do in the world. And if you want to spend more time with me, you can visit me at my hub. My website hub is the entrance point into the world of Gaia Morissette and all the empire that I have that exists around me. So start there and figure out where you want to go play in my empire. Um, and that's at GaiaMorissette.com. Don't forget to check out the podcast, My Orgasmic Life, tell your friends. And uh, I also host Tickle.Life's podcast, which we talk about first, first of everything, first date, first kiss, first sex, first swinging events, first of everything. And we're always looking for guests. So if you're interested, that information will be in the show notes as well. Have a juicy day and may it be filled with pleasure possibilities. Bye-bye. <laughs>